Legacy is so much more than the things we leave behind. It's the relationships we forge, the kingdom we build, and the light we bring into this world. Our legacy is the wake we leave behind us, the ripples of which can be felt by every generation to follow. What will you leave behind? Legacy. Church family, put your hands together as we honor God in the service today and welcome to our online family. I know many of you told me you're traveling this weekend, but we are with you and you're watching with us on the roads at different vacation locations. So you are with us right here. Amen? So we thank, we're so thankful for our church family and all the wonderful things that God is doing today. And I want to make sure that before we jump into everything, we give honor to where honor is due. We know this is Memorial Day weekend. And if we're not careful, we'll look at this as just a day off, you know, with family and friends, and forget the sacrifice that was made. We know that uh, we live in a country that we enjoy these freedoms because many gave the ultimate price, and that was their life. And many of us are related or have family or friends that they've given that ultimate sacrifice. So would you just take a moment on Monday, and in your time of prayer, just honor those families. If you know someone, give them a phone call, and just thank God for their memory, and also Thank God for the freedoms that we enjoy in our country, that we can do this right here together in freedom. Amen? So, so important. Also, I want to tell you a few more things before we jump in today um, that are on my heart, because I always want to keep you up to date what's going on in the life of our church family. Someone say prayer and fasting. The first Monday, June 5th, is our sun up to sundown prayer and fasting. Here's throughout the years, we've been doing this for a long time, I found out the easiest way to pray and fast is to be prepared for it. Can I get an amen? Don't sneak up on me on the day before and I got dinner plans the next day and tell me you feel the Lord has called you to lead a prayer and fast. All right, we're giving you ample notice. And so the first Monday of every month, we've committed in this year of our Lord, 2022, to pray and fast as a community. Now, of course, we're going to do it to start the, the year. We always do that. But we figured if Jesus did it regularly, so should we as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. So if you can mark your calendars and be there, um, include your family. We do it at home with our kids, where they pray and fast and sweets or, or entertainment or game consoles or TV. Can I get an amen? TV, Lord have mercy. Um, we really, really try to instill this in our culture. And you know how we'll know if we did a good job praying and fasting? If our kids do it when they grow up. I talked to my daughter who's in college now. When she's in a tough space in life, we actually have real conversations about praying and fasting, that we've got to get something through. We've got to hear God's voice on something. And so that's how we'll know if we did a good job or not in our homes. And so we're very, very intentional about that and, and want to invite you to come at 630 with us and we break our fasting with the Holy Communion. Amen? Here's the last announcement for you. You ready for this one? Someone say June 19th. If you don't know, you should know that's Father's Day, okay? A plug-in for the fathers. And we don't want more socks, okay? Just letting you know. Uh, the ties could work, I guess. Some of us don't even wear socks, but that's just, that's neither here nor there. You know, in my life now where I'm at, uh, I have more friends that are senior my age, like double my age, because I want wisdom. So I get a lot of them around me, and they always joke about my pants and my socks. Like, you know what, Pastor? We could get you some socks. We could take a collection for you. Like, well, these old men, leave me alone, please. Let, let, they call them high waters. I get a little bit of everything. But anyways, um, so June 19th is an important Sunday. Let me tell you why. 
As a church, you should know very well that we, we pray and we fast. We're covered by a board. We're covered by overseers, elders, and the whole, the whole bit. As a church, we want to walk into a new season as Legacy Church. Anybody here last week and excited about that service and all that God is doing? Yes, are you excited? We are full of vision and hope. If you weren't here, this must be a weird Sunday for you if you weren't here last Sunday. Like, where am I? What has happened? Um, hopefully you've been tracking this series at the very least, okay? So you know where God's been leading and guiding us. But on June 19th, we are going to a new service time. Someone say service time. Did you hear that wasn't plural? Did you hear that was singular? Miss Vollmer, my sixth grade English teacher, will be so proud right now. We are uniting our services. You know, it's funny. I was talking to the Mobley family earlier, and they usually come to our second service, and they're like, we've never met anybody from the first service. Hey, guess what? You're going to June 19th. We really are prayerful about this next step and this next season in life of our church. We're uniting our services, and it's going to be one of the best worship service experiences you've ever been a part of. All right? And so I'm not just saying sleep a little longer, although you can. But I'm going to ask you to do breakfast with each other before service. Now you've got a little extra time, a buffer, 10.30 now, okay? And then after service, you're going to maybe get out a little sooner than maybe you're used to if you came to the 9.30 like you're in now. Maybe go out and do lunch together. Beat everybody to the restaurants. But the heart behind this is building community. Someone say that, a man over there, because they were, they were really excited about that. They can't wait for that brunch. And I don't know what that means. My wife is always talking about it. But do life together. Do community together. We are seeking the heart of God, and we are strengthening our church family. We're strengthening our serving teams. You are not going to recognize this church come fall. We're going to be in such a lean and a grace that God has called us into. It's going to be amazing. Amen? All right. Well, they shipped me in here to close out the last piece of the series. And uh, I kind of miss when I don't preach. I don't know if you guys know that about me. Like, it's hard for me not to preach. I'm all, I'm all out of my element when other guys are up here preaching and speaking, but I'm so happy to be here. And today I want to talk to you in the last installment of this message series called Legacy. And I want to give you this thought if you're a note taker. The legacy that will outlive you. Someone said to their neighbor, the legacy that will outlive you. This is what's going to perpetuate throughout time. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your love, God. It is a privilege to serve your kingdom, to be in your house, to lead your people. Each and every one of us leads your people, Father, by the nature of what we're known as disciples of Jesus Christ and Christians. And so, God, we are, we're jumping in the mysteries of your word. Would you unpack it? Would you bring eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit has to say? Holy Spirit, this is our direct permission to say, come and have your way. Speak through the volumes of your word. There's some, some hard hearts in the place, Father. We've been through life. We're going through life, Lord. Would you make yourself known to every man, woman, and student, we pray. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. amen. So as a church family, we've walked through this series of legacy. And anybody surprised last Sunday when we introduced the church name that, that it was legacy? Anybody surprised like you saw that coming? Yeah, a few of you saw it coming maybe. Um, but legacy is so strategic, and it's so key to God. So as we thought through who we are as a church family, we couldn't think of anything else. Like, what else would God want more than for us to establish his legacy in all of the earth? For us to be intentional in everything we think and everything we say and everything we do, that we are human beings created by legacy, for legacy, for God. And the Bible says that every word and every action at the end of our lives, guess what? We will give an account to. There's nothing done flippantly. If you walk through the freedom curriculum that we've done here at our church, we just ended the, our group semester um, Pastor Chris Hodges of Church of the Highlands, he put together this curriculum and we, we taught it to our church. And this one part of the curriculum he talked about 
everything we do, we are building either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the enemy. Every word, every action, every deed. And so there's really nothing that we loosely do. Everything is very, very intentional. Amen? And so this is so important for us to develop as a church family that everything that we are thinking through now is, is this building God's legacy or the legacy of the enemy? Is this transferring generational habits and behaviors that are not godly, not kingdom-minded, broken, or is this ending those and creating new ones and new legacies? This is what God has called us to do. And, and as God plans and creates humanity and creates human beings, I need you to know this about God. There is nothing, not one day that God has done something off the cuff. He's never been a last-minute God. He's never kind of figured out, you know, what, what he's got in the cupboards and, and put a little recipe together. That's never been him a day of his existence. He's very intentional. So when he creates humanity, here's what he's doing. He's creating humanity with a plan that as he develops us, he's looking for someone to establish a legacy that will continue on the earth and remind people not only of whose they are, we are the Lord's, but who our God is. And so as you read your Bible, very early on, you're going to see how God establishes this plan. And I've got to teach this to you. And when you understand this, you'll understand some of my language the last couple of years in our church when I speak specifically about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You've noticed I've been weaving that into our culture because I've been waiting to teach and preach this today because it's so foundation to our faith and our maturation and growth as believers, okay? I hope you don't want a trendy topical message today. I hope you want the exposition of the word of God, amen? amen? You probably wouldn't come here if you're looking for the trendy stuff. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But we're going to unpack a mystery in the truth of God today that should be in every home. If this is not being taught in your home right now, begin teaching it today. Tonight with your Bible study, you should insert this in here. So as God's developing this in all the earth, he uses someone who was known as Abraham, or Abram rather, becomes Abraham, and he establishes something called the Abrahamic Covenant. Someone say that with me. The Abrahamic covenant. This covenant is set truly at the beginning of God introducing himself to a people and goes throughout time. A lot of us don't have that understanding that God is building a people in the Bible before he builds a nation, before he builds a culture. Why? Because we're loyal to God before people in a nation. God comes first. And so before he builds Israel, what is he doing? He's building a people. How does he build the people? through the Abrahamic covenant. So let me just give you a quick, loose working definition that will jump into the scripture of what that is. The Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional covenant or promise that God made with Abraham. Something you should know about God is he's more of the kind of God that uses the word covenant than promises. Covenants cannot be broken. And it's really on God more than us because people, we're really good about breaking things, aren't we? And God establishes covenant in all the earth that begins with Abraham and goes through every generation. And as we go through this message, you're going to see how important this covenant is for you and for me. Here's where he establishes covenant. Genesis chapter 12. And if you have your Bible, you have your app. This is a really, really important one to know. When we think about Abrahamic covenant, when we think about everything our faith is built on, and that's not being over the top, everything our faith is built on, you find it here. Let's read together in verse 1 in chapter 12. It says this. The Lord had said to Abram, this is as he's calling him still Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. 
which is interesting here because as God gives a covenant, as God gives a promise to Abram or to you and to me, are you aware that it always costs us something? If you want God to reveal himself to you, just know this, it's going to cost you something. The things and the purpose and the plan God has for you, your marriage, your children, your life, your career, whatever that is, as we see here, as God unveils the first true covenant here in, this bi- in our Bible, it costs them something. They've got to leave the land of familiarity. They've got to leave family. You know, Jesus, that's why you have to read the whole Bible. You can't just jump into New Testament and a little minor prophets. The whole totality of the Scripture is important. Jesus references covenant when he says, you know, you can't love me unless you hate mother brother, sisters, fathers. He goes in this dialogue, and you're like, wow, that's, that's intense, Jesus. Well, the true translation is, unless you love them a little less and me a little more. See, unless Abram had this relationship with God and loved God a little more and family a little less, he couldn't be obedient to what God was calling him to do. And Jesus references that, but unless you have an understanding of the Scripture of Torah, of the first five books, Pentateuch, you would not follow along. But here's the calling. Here's the Abrahamic covenant developed in real time. Are you following me? I promise you this is good. Okay, here we go. So go from your country, your people, your father's household, to land I will show you. Anybody live long enough to know uh, being God's presence and being his will is maybe not as fun as you thought it was? (laughs) This is not fun, but we know God's going to do great things. Verse 2. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who do what? Bless you. And whoever curses you, I will do what? I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I don't know if it's just me, but wouldn't it be simple to call him the God of Abraham? Just make it short and sweet and to the point. You know, brand marketing, you, you want to keep things short and sweet so people can have brand recognition and remember who you are, what you are. Uh, God is not going for that one, okay? He doesn't only call him the God of Abraham, but as you continue to read your Bible, and if I had more time to unpack this, you find out that forever he'll be known as who? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Why is that? Because God emphasizes the Abrahamic that continues and is repeated with the legacy of the following generations. Are you seeing God here? He's a God of legacy. He sets a covenant that's perpetual throughout time. And so this Abrahamic covenant, if you've seen it, it's got three pieces to it, right? It starts with land. The first promise in verse 1, he tells him to leave a land because I'm giving you a land. So just know this, if God cuts something away, it's always to add something. If God closes a door, there's always a window. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is cutting something away to do something, and the beauty of the walk of Abram right now is that he trusts God even when he can't trace him. The beauty is he wants God more for his presence than his presence and his stuff. And so he can trust God even though he doesn't know what God is doing because there's a promise that God has there before him. See, God wants to establish roots in Abraham both in the natural and in the spiritual. You don't want them hopping around from place to place and church to church and thing to thing and lifestyle to lifestyle, relationship to relationship. He wants to establish roots in him, doesn't he? He says, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a place. There'll, there'll be some wandering for sure. There'll be some place I'm going to take you for sure. But at the end of the day, my promises are true. I'm going to establish a place for you and your people. And so we know the promise was the land of Canaan, the promised land, right? That watch this. Here's where you grow in your faith. You ready to grow in your faith? He died, Hebrews chapter 11 says, not seeing the promise. 
would you still serve God if you died not seeing the promise? If he wasn't the health and wealth person that's blabbed all over social media and YouTube and the favorite TV preachers, would you still serve him? If he never healed you, would you still serve him? If, could you have the faith of, of Ratchak, Meshach, and Abednego? If he, even if he doesn't deliver us, he's still God. And this is what God is embedding in the Abrahamic covenant. That I'm going to do something great in you, but even though it may not be in your time and your generation, I still did it through you. Do you see how high level God is in this, in this covenant? That he's perpetuating something that Abraham is just playing a small piece of the puzzle. And if you come to our church, I don't know if you're watching online, but if you come to our church, there's a piece of the puzzle in our stained glass windows. You see these seasons and these times, all where, no matter where you walk in our building and in our offices, they just place a little piece of the puzzle. And a lot of them died not seeing what's happening here today, right? But God is still working. God is still moving. Give God a hand for that. He's still moving. And he's still working. And he's still having his way. It doesn't make the promise any less powerful whether you see it in your time or that happens after your time. Because we're living in the Abrahamic covenant. I'm going to show you that. Secondly, part of this covenant, there was a promise of descendants. And it was wonderful because at the time that he gets this word, he has no descendants. And it's going to take some time for Isaac to come along, the promised child. But what God is showing him is for all of us who are under this covenant that God is giving us, he is calling us to do what? To replicate ourselves, not just in the natural, but in the spiritual. So what good would it have done if he had him and, and Sarah would have had a bunch of kids, but none of them would have followed the things of God and the purposes of God and the will of God. See, God was intentional here. Whether you can have children naturally or not, he's asking us to replicate after ourselves through the Abrahamic covenant. He's asking us to take his, be, just be crazy enough to take his words so literal that we'd be replicating people after ourselves. Do you remember back, I think it was like in the 90s, I'm going to need some help, maybe from a friend here. There was like a, um, was it a DC talk song that like, with Christians, like they were too much, what were they called? Thank you, I knew, I knew he could help me. My guy Greg, he could help me. Jesus freaks. I remember they would call us stuff like that. Like, it doesn't take all that. You're in too much, you give too much, you serve too much, are you kidding me? Sundays and Wednesdays and small groups and this and that, Bible in your home with your kids. And I think our culture, we walked far enough along now that we've raised up the first biblically illiterate generation, the first post-Christian society, maybe it did take being Jesus freaks. And what you might call Jesus freaks, Jesus might call normal, and he might call us secular freaks. I'm just going to play that one out in your own time. <laughs> that he's calling Abraham to perpetuate after himself under this covenant that he has to teach his children so they'll teach their children. That he's got to teach his friends and family and his church so they teach their friends, their families, and their church. And he'll die not realizing it all coming to pass because if you keep reading your Bible, they don't walk into the promised land until when? Joshua walks up on the scene. Like This, this is generations later. But it's so instilled in the people, it's so instilled in the culture, they're looking for the presence of God, not the presence of God, where they can truly find God in these coming generations. Amen? Are you tracking with me? This is good stuff, I promise. God is revealing himself. Here's the next piece, the third piece of it. Um, there was a promise of blessings and redemption. Someone say blessings. Someone say redemption. This is so good. So God sets his plan of the Abrahamic covenant, and how is he going to bring it to pass? Using people, flawed people, 
people who don't get it right, people who miss the mark. I'm just talking about myself right now, okay? But people who, who, who want to do godly but find themselves doing ungodly. Paul says like this, those things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And God uses flawed people to do his work. So watch what he says a part of this covenant. It can't be revoked. It can't be reneged. It can't be taken back. And so this covenant is developed through people sometimes delayed through disobedience. Have you heard of the 40 years of wandering? Have you heard? Yes. Sometimes delayed in different areas, different spaces, but God's covenant never fails. His blessings can't be taken back. What he's spoken all the earth cannot be taken back. And as he reveals this covenant throughout generations, have you noticed he's not just the God of Abraham and not just the God of, of Isaac, but he's the God of a conniver. He's the God of a heel grabber. He's the guy of a birthright stealer. He's the guy of, a, of somebody who shifts things around. His name is Jacob. Have you met him? And I wish, I wish, I wish we had time to go through his story right now. But he had all the marks and all the bearings of someone right now that would be all over social media and the news. <laughs> he had the marks and the bearings of, of all the ones that you probably would not want to pray over you. <laughs> would not be in the intercessory team, Okay. You would not want to put a microphone in his hand. But what's funny is that all those things God used for his glory and for his honor. You see, because see, God can use anything and everyone who will submit to him. And eventually God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, and he, he walks into all that God has for him because here's what's funny. We all have a past. And those who you know that say they don't have a past, they're just really good liars. And we're all working through things. And those who you know who say they're not working through things, they're really good liars. We try to project like this, having it all together, but none of us do. It's all this work and progress. That's why we need to read the Bible daily, because it searches the hearts of men. And it shows us what offends God and what's not like God. And it causes us to repent, because the goodness of God leads to what? Repentance. And so as God uses Jacob, his name becomes Israel, you know the funny thing? Although God updates his spiritual name, he never updates his name as part of the covenant. To remind you and I what? God can use us in any situation and in any season. The old folks, you say it like this, God isn't called to qualify. What does he do? That rings so true. And so you're seeing this wonderful covenant. You see, this covenant that our faith comes from, our Bible comes from, it comes from a covenant of what? Hebraic and Jewish roots. And let me tell you right now, if we don't give eye to that, we'd be missing a lot of what God wants to show us. It's not random that God came to the Jews and not the Romans. It's not random that God is the God of the Jews and not the Greeks. It's not random that God is the God of the Jews and not the Spaniards because they were around. He came to the Jews because embedded in the Hebraic roots were the values and the actual things that we walk out in our daily life that God has called us to do. As you walk through the Old Testament, as you walk through the beginning of the Scripture, God begins to show the people the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and these values and these precepts and these teachings and these habits that he calls his people to have. It's embedded in a culture that, guess who comes from? Then Jesus. And so this Abrahamic covenant begins to teach and to show us things that are a mystery at one time, but the Bible says the scales fall off as we study and understand it. So I'm going to keep moving here. 
God desires to be recognized as a God of legacy. You know this because as you read your Bible, he keeps repeating he's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You'll find it at least 12 times in your Bible. That'll be presented in the scripture. And when we read that, it's supposed to make us think, okay, where did this come from? Why is God saying this? Why is he developing this thought for us? He develops this thought in three generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all given these promises. And God reaffirms the same covenant with Abraham's son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob. The Lord establishes this covenant throughout that time. When God reveals himself through the Abrahamic covenant to Moses to bring his people out of Egypt, do you remember what God tells Moses to go tell Pharaoh? Do you remember this? He says, you go tell Pharaoh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, he puts before that the Lord, which translates to his real name, Yahweh. Does anybody know that that's God's real name? Call him God if you want, but that's not his name. It's just fun to say, though. Um, he says, you let them know the God, Yahweh himself, is calling for his people to come home. He instructs Moses by God's, watch this, true identity built in the what? Abrahamic covenant. Y'all didn't know you were going to Bible college today, did you? I had to pay the student debt off, and you didn't, so you're welcome. As he does this with Moses, I want to just peek into this for a moment because we have Moses walking out this Abrahamic covenant. The first thing he begins to do, God identifies himself. And what is he doing? God is clearly distinguishing himself from all other Egyptian gods. I'm the Lord. I'm Yahweh. I'm holy, I'm set apart. He distinguishes himself from Egyptian gods because God wants everybody to know who the true God is. He's not the God of mammon. He's not the God of pride. He's not the God of ego. He's not the God of lust. He's not the God of do it your way and call it Western Christianity. No, 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 no. I'm the God. I'm Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And how do we know him? We read the scriptures around Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how we know him. Few scriptures around creation, few scriptures around our interaction with God, 38 chapters around the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his interaction with him. It's a big deal. And so God speaks to Moses and says, go to Pharaoh. And what's so interesting is God reveals himself to, to distinguish between other gods. Do you know that God has never had competition with other gods? Have you seen Mount Sinai? No competition. Have you seen Mount Carmel? No competition. Have you seen anything? No competition with other gods. Do you know the one place God's had competition from the beginning of time? In the hearts of man. The only place God has ever had competition, and the angels and the heavens watch out, will they repent? Will they live for him, or will they live for culture? Will they live for the moment? Will they live a lukewarm, kind of in-the-middle life? Well, at least I throw a hand up, and I guess technically, you know, I prayed a prayer. The only place God has competition is, will we believe who he is and follow that out? And so he goes to Moses. He says, you tell them right now, the Lord Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all these other foreign gods and everything else, not real and not true. And so it's almost like the heavens are waiting. Will he have competition in our hearts and in our marriages? in our children, in our finances, in our grandchildren, in our workspaces, will the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob have competition in our homes? Only you can answer that. Only I can answer that. Nowhere else will we have competition, only in our hearts. The wind and the waves weren't competition for Jesus, were they? The Nile River wasn't competition, was it? 
The Red Sea wasn't competition, was it? It's just the heart of man. It's just when we have to say, God, will I fully submit? Will I fully serve? Will I give you partial space? Uh, Elijah cries out on Mount Carmel. He says, the time to vacillate has come and gone. Either serve God or serve Baal. You serve him fully because that's all he desires. Here's the next piece of, of Moses' his interaction when it comes to the Abrahamic covenant in Egypt. The reference to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob applies to the reason for the Exodus. God vowed a place for his people, and God's covenant and God's promise was going to be faithful. So God was leading his people to a place, and Moses reminds not just Pharaoh, but the people of this. You know, I don't know how much we can relate to people who are in slavery and captivity for 400 years, like the Jews here in Egypt, but every now and then, you've got to be reminded that God's made you a promise. Every now and then, you've got to remind yourself that he who has started a good work will complete it. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know who you are in here, but you've got to be reminded that God has began a good work in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your home, that he has not brought you this far to let you go. And just because you might not have a plan, he's got a plan. And just because the plans and the purpose and the, and the 5, 10, 15-year plans that you put together with your financial portfolio manager didn't come to pass, his plans are always coming to pass. And so you need to know this because this is why he sends the stuttering prophet Moses back to Egypt to rescue his people. You know, it's funny because Jesus, he begins to teach a lesson to the Pharisees alluding to this Abrahamic covenant. I want to read this to you in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus reminds them. Now, these are people, watch this, they've got the scripture memorized. They've got scripture boxes. I mean, they are, they are so religious. They are so rigid. They know the scripture by heart. And here's what Jesus, he teaches them a real quick uh, message with this. Matthew 22, 31, it says this. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you now that you've been taught and educated, you're going to know what he's walking into, the Abrahamic covenant. Watch this. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but what? The living. He's schooling the Sadducees. He's telling them a couple different things here. First, he's bringing the connection of who he is and how he's related to them. But he's also showing you that these people he's talking about, they're not dead but alive. In heaven, but also the covenant is not dead. The covenant is alive on earth. Are you seeing this? This covenant didn't die with them. This covenant was given to them, and those of us who are grafted, the Bible says, you know that scripture says we're grafted into the family of Christ? The gospel of the Bible says for the Jew first, but then those who are Gentiles, we come and we're grafted in, and now guess what? Jesus says this covenant is not dead, it's alive. So this Abrahamic covenant was alive and well in the Old Testament, alive and well in the New Testament, because Jesus is talking about it. If you read through Acts 3, chapter 3 and 4, you can see the reference of it. You can see how when they heal someone, they say this was done because of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so you see a covenant that doesn't die off, doesn't wean off, it grows and it strengthens, and it is vibrant in all of Scripture, but not just is it vibrant in all of Scripture, it's vibrant in our lives today. I want to tell you, church family, we will not fully know God if we don't fully understand the Abrahamic covenant. 
We cannot westernize our Bibles and try to modernize. Well, if I just stay in the red, which the red is fantastic. That's the words of Jesus. And if I just stay kind of in the ones that I get, we've got to have a totality of the understanding of the word of God. I have a friend. There he is. He's a pilot. I wonder, sir, for you, if you read half of the manual before you flew a plane, how would that go? He's very eloquently, he said, not well. <laughs> One more time? Okay. Yes, agreed. So what I want to help us understand as a church family is the totality of God's words is what we need. Half-baked, half of it, a few scriptures here, we're going to be in trouble. I, I loved the songs in VBS, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons said, Father Abraham, and I am one of them. Will you all sing with me like you went to VBS, please? And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. If you're not from here, this is weirding you out, and I get it. In the South, we've got some words and terms and usage and vacation Bible school. I apologize, but we've got to know more than Father Abraham. We've got to dive into the Word of God. We've got to know this is how God sets up the manual. Right now, many of us are flying in real time trying to figure out how to fly this plane and want to blame God and want to blame a church and want to blame situations and cultures and economies and everything else. No, 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 no. We need time in the manual. We need time in the Word of God. We need spiritual health that will pour over our entire lives and give us health in every area of our lives. Amen? The only way to truly know him is through his word and through the first covenant given, this Abrahamic covenant. The scripture in Exodus 3.15, this is God declaring his covenant to Moses. Watch this. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. What's his name? One and only. No competition. Only God. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors. The God of who? Abraham. The God of who? The God of who? Has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for how many generations? So somebody did their job that we're reading about this. Somebody did their job that we're teaching about this. Somebody did their job that we are reciting this. Here's a question. Are you going to do your job? If your children, if your family, if your friends, if your work colleagues, and don't give me this stuff, you can't do Bible studies on the job. I did it for 15 years. Don't, don't give me that stuff. People tell me all the time, well, what if you lose your job? And I'll say, well, God gave me this one. And I'm sure he's God enough and strong enough to give me another one. If needed. Amen? Matter of fact, I had more Bible studies in the corporate world than I do today. When you get a pastor, it gets way more busy and complicated, okay? Another story for another time. This is my name for all generations. Are you doing your job? Am I doing my job? As a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, as a mentor, are we doing our jobs? Do we know about the Abrahamic covenant? Are we passing that on? Are we making it clear? His name is not just God, his name is Yahweh. I am that I am. That is his name forever and to eternity. He is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. If that sounds weird to you, study the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Study Abraham's life. Study Isaac's life. 
study Jacob's life, you're going to know their God really, really well. I want to close with this story. You and I have a big responsibility on our hands as we close out this series called Legacy. We paint a vision as a church and vision for the future that we're not tiptoeing in. We are running in. We are sure where God is leading us. But our legacy is developing in real time, and that's the hard part. There are some things that I'm praying God's going to speak to our hearts right now and begin to convict us of and challenge us over. And some other things that we're going to say, you know what? It's going really well. Praise the Lord for that. I read this story the other day, and it, it challenged me. I'm going to share it with you. Maybe you've heard it before. But there was a study done with two individuals, Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards. Max Jukes, you've probably never heard of. He's a criminal in the time of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest theologians, speakers, teachers, led to the great awakening our country, one of the greatest awakenings our country has ever experienced when it comes to the spiritual world. But Max Jukes, someone studied his legacy and his line. I want to share some stats with you. Max Jukes, known as a criminal of his time, of his descendants, here's what the study revealed and showed. 310 died as paupers. 150 of his descendants of his legacy were criminals. Seven were murderers. A hundred were drunkards. And some say more than half of the women were prostitutes in his line. And so he had this legacy he was developing in real time. And I'm sure many people say, well, it doesn't take all that. You don't need to do all that. Just do whatever it takes. Do you live your life? You only live once. You know, all the things that we say, well, God gets it. I don't read that in here that God gets it. Do you? Your mortgage company doesn't tell you we get it. Why would God? We are dealing with souls here, and I hope we take it that serious because we're raising a generation of church kids who are far from God. Raising a generation of husbands and wives that are just checking in and checking out. And right now, they have a backup plan if things don't work out. No, we, we, we serve a covenant-keeping God, and marriage is a covenant-keeping relationship God has given us. But this is a legacy of, of Max Jukes. Conversely, it's the legacy of Jonathan Edwards, who you could call a Jesus freak, who went all in for the Lord, who followed Deuteronomy chapter 6 with his life, the Shema. And here's what we get from Jonathan Edwards' life. Of Jonathan Edwards, 1,394 known descendants, 13 became college presidents, 65 college professors, 3 U.S. senators, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 either Army or Navy officers, 100 preachers or missionaries, 60 authors, 1 vice president, 80 public officials, and 295 college graduates. See the difference? Maybe it does take all that. Maybe we are living for legacy. Maybe God is looking for more in our lives. Maybe we have to dive into the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. Maybe we have to let the world eat themselves and divide themselves and be divisive in politics and everything else. Maybe we need to give them all that stuff and just focus on the word of God and focus on our homes. And let the change we want to see be here first. I mean, there's a real legacy happening right now in your life. Happening right now in my life. 
and we won't be around to see how it all pans out, but I pray you and I make a difference. I pray you and I, in a very real way, make a difference for the kingdom. That when it's all said and done of our lives, when it's all said and done, that there was something great that God did because we were open and available. We were intentional on what kingdom that we were building, what kingdom that we were honoring. Because today I pray as a church family that we truly honor God in all that we do. And the legacy that outlives us will be one that honors God and that builds a kingdom and have, will have residual spiritual interests. Amen? Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Lord, there's no words to describe the gratefulness we have when you unpack your word and you show us the insights of your heart, God. We want to know you. We want to live for you. We want authenticity, God. We can't afford in the day and time we live in to miss you. We can't afford for superficial. We can't afford to get just a few cute verses that apply to our situation in life and not know, Father, how you have truly embedded yourself in Scripture and the covenants, God. Give us understanding. Give us wisdom. If we don't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and if we don't understand what that means and, and how those people play into that role, would you give us a heart to study today? A heart to dive deeper into your word? And I pray the influence of our life, Lord God, would be so godly that one day somebody, maybe it'd be a pastor, maybe a person, they will talk about what we put into motion as mothers, as fathers, as uncles, as aunts, as brothers, as sisters as employers, as employees, as stay-at-home mothers, as teachers, as coaches, God. There would be something that somebody could trace back in our lineage and say they, they were encouraged by our lives. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just be known as Legacy Church, but Legacy would go before us in our homes, in our community, workspace and everywhere that you send us, Father. Lastly, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask if anybody in this space, in the room or online that's far from Jesus Christ, now for you that may be, you prayed a prayer at some point, but you've walked away and you haven't lived for him. And For others, it may be simply stated, you've never prayed a prayer. You've never taken that initiative. The beauty of that is you can do that today. And so I'm going to pray a prayer and as I do, church, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. But if you are far from God, please rededicate your life today. Do not leave this time. Don't leave this experience far from our Savior today. And if there's others of you who have never prayed the prayer, today is a new day and a new start. Know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as your Lord. Amen? Church, you bow your heads and pray this prayer with those who are praying this. Lord God, we believe in you. We believe you sent your Son to die for our sins. We repent and welcome the Holy Spirit to our lives. Give us a hunger for your word and discipleship. Teach us to live for you the rest of our days. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give all those a hand who prayed that prayer. Amen. We love you, church family. God bless you.